What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Braves are going to the National League Division Series, Coal, and we are Atlanta's own. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going great. You just said it, my friend. The Braves are going to the National League Division Series. We've been here before. Many times. Most times in the history of baseball. But. Well, I guess most divisions, division titles. They don't DS and it come around to 95. As uh, Hugo was saying the other day, what do you say? Like, you need to enjoy your sandwich? Yeah, enjoy my sandwich. Which means appreciate the celebrations yeah, that but you, you can't have. But you also, you know, consequently, you can also say don't be satisfied. And I feel like that's been a big problem with this organization for the last 15 years or so. Sure. 20 but, years. Is that like, oh, you won the division. Great. You won the division series. Great. You lose in the first round. Who cares? We've only been out of the first round once in the last 20 years. It's unacceptable. But can you not admit that this year felt different? Like This, this year felt different like the 2018 year felt different. But in, I'll use different again, in different ways, right? You know, 2018 year was like the rebuild was, you know, a couple of years earlier, a year earlier, whatever. This time it was like you lost your best player. You lost your whole starting outfield. Your starting catcher was out for four months or whatever, ravished by injuries. Uh, Mike Soroka didn't pitch at all, who you thought would be your staff ace again. And, yeah, to, to accomplish what the Braves have accomplished this year, you cannot take that away from them. It's a hell of an achievement. We did not expect them to do this. They weren't over 500 until August. Uh, I say 100 or 500. I hope I said 500. Weren't over 500 until August. So, I mean, it's a hell of an accomplishment. I won't take anything away from the team. I appreciate what they've done. However... It's still hard for me to get excited, or maybe not even excited, but like be like, oh man, I'm just basking in the glow of this division title when we've won so many, even though I understand that this one is different. But the the night of, at least, I, and you were at the game. Right? I was at the game. So I'm sure it, like you could feel the energy. Yeah, I was. it was pretty close to a playoff atmosphere. Uh, spontaneous tomahawk chops happening without any assistance from... Uh, the organist or, or the Braves or whatever. Yeah, the fans are not going to let the tomahawk chop die. No. That's and becoming blatantly obvious. The biggest thing I don't like about this whole tomahawk chop thing is that they've neutered it. They've just made it this drum thing, which is like, boom, boom, boom. You either need the organ, the creepy organ that, looked like, that felt like it was a satanic cult from the 90s, or you need the big horns that we've been doing for the last 15 no, years. That, or just get rid of it. Don't neuter it. It's very upsetting to me. So they don't do the boom, 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 boom. They boom, do. Boom, it's just a drum. Oh. It just goes bump. Well, and then they let the bump. fans take it. Yeah, but I would but you need that extra bit of energy. Mm. You don't need it, but it sounds cooler when everybody's still doing the chant and then you got the extra horns or the organ or whatever. You know, so they've neutered it. They don't do it as much as they used to. Either do it like it was or get rid of it. I don't really care, but don't this halfway in between stuff is is, is silly to me. All right, besides the point, Graham. I, yeah, I know that's not really. Sorry relevant. to get you all. Work. <laughs> I, I can sense you're in a get worked up mood. So tell tell me about being at the game. Yeah, and uh, so the crowd, like a lot of good energy from the crowd. Great and- energy from the crowd. Um, everybody was into the game. We had multiple MVP chants for Austin Riley. Uh, he was great. Solaire was great. Freddie really scared me in that game. He got hit in the elbow. Oh um, yeah, I was like Christ. If he broke his elbow on you know the last week of the season, I'm gonna be so pissed off. But apparently he's fine. Um, you felt very com- comfortable the whole time. It was like you know you get that five nothing lead, even when Ian Anderson gave up that uh, what was two run shot to McCutcheon. You were still like, yeah, it's okay. The Phillies just looked dead. Their energy compared to the Braves' energy. 
The Braves wanted that game so bad. They were like ravenous dogs chomping at the bit ready to just rip someone apart. The Phillies just felt like, uh, you know, beaten dog had been living on the street for like five years and just wanted to be put out of its misery. See, I, I think I've been saying the last week, like it was really cute that the Phillies thought that they could hang with us and Precious. possibly come back. Like, you know, the Phillies, they always hit us in the mouth. Uh, games one, two, and three of the year. But, you know, games, what, 157, 158, 159, that's when the Braves show up. Yeah. That's when we're at our strongest. I'd, I'd rather like, show up then than at the beginning of the year. Yeah, like th- these Phillies, they, they've got a long ways to go, man, because, like, they've got a decent core in Harper, Real Muto. Segura. Segura, Hoskins. A couple good pitchers, but Nola's over the hill. Like, yeah. they're, they're going to have to move on from Nola. Wheeler's really the only, like, shutdown pitcher in that staff now. Yeah, Wheeler and that, that dude that was a Arietta. reliever. No, Arietta's been gone. I thought he was still on the team. No, nah, he got like traded to the Padres oh, and got they, hurt. Like, they blew the a lot game. of money on him. In this, yeah, in this no, game. I mean they've they've been throwing money at people for the past five years, whereas yeah. we've been developing players. Yeah, that's that's the difference. And like, you yeah, their see, payroll is what forty five million more, thirty five million more than ours. Yeah, and like yeah. you could you could just compare our lineup to theirs. And like I said, it's it's cute that they thought they had a chance, and like they needed Bryce Harper to just completely go off in this series and actually like win an MVP for them and he's like over 12 over 13. Oh yeah, he was terrible. Like and one thing John Philly John Galvin went to the game with us um and he was just bitching the whole time. He's just like, "Yeah, dude, they just swing at the first pitch. All of them." I mean, it's just like, you know, you you, you look up and the, the inning's over. And he was right a couple of times. It was like a 6-7 pitch inning. I mean, it was bad. The plate like, you know, I'd bitch about the Braves plate discipline all the time. We look like the freaking Dodgers compared to the, how the Phillies handle their plate discipline. The whole series would have been completely different, in my opinion, if they could have put some runs on the board in that first inning against Morton where they like had two runners on with nobody out. And that would have completely changed the dynamics. But, you know, Morton worked out of it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was all Braves. That first game, too, was their chance. We had Wheeler going. That's when they still had the energy. That's when they still had the drive to be like, okay, if we sweep the Braves, we have a chance. We got to do it now. And once that didn't happen, you could just tell those next two games. It was like whatever. Yeah, it was it was done. Um, but yeah, it was, it was it was fun going to the game. I think it's only the third game I've been to all year. So uh, cool stuff there. And it was fun seeing you know after it was over. And Will Smith got to give it up to him, man. That was the best I've seen him pitch all year. It's like eight or nine pitches. Inning was over before you could blink an eye. Uh, he was efficient and outstanding. A lot of movement on his pitches. Um, I was super impressed by what he was doing. Yeah, eight, eight pitches, eight strikes. And what I really enjoyed was watching all the player interviews after the game. You probably, this is the one advantage of not going, it's fun to go to the game, but it's also fun to not be in traffic after the game and sit back and watch all that nonsense. Sure, but you missed out on getting going to the gas station afterwards and getting some canned water and an ice cream sandwich. Man. That sounds like quite the experience. The, the canned water was fun, i got to say. That experience sounds like it's got intern Jared written all over it. Yeah, he was really hyping up this liquid death canned water, and it's like, it's just the best water! And I looked at the water stand, and I was like, I need some water! What's this doing in a can? This looks like a beer! I guess I'll try it! It's 3.30, but whatever! And he was just talking about it, talking about it the whole way, and I was just like, he just kept looking at me with this salacious smile, like, you must drink this. Water. We must get this after the game. And I was parched after the game. Unfortunately, Cobb County doesn't have the ice-cold water dollar vendors like Turner Field did. So he was like, let's stop by the gas station. Let's get an ice cream treat. Let's get some canned water. Can I try the canned water? So I tried the canned water. It was actually quite refreshing. It was really good. 
It doesn't make sense how it would be better than just ice water, though. You know, like, water has that kind of taste. Like, you can just taste something in it that isn't great. This was just pure. This was just, like, there was no taste to it. It was just very refreshing water. I was uh, very impressed by it. Also very impressed by the Toll House ice cream sandwich. That company brings it year in and year out. Quality, quality ice cream sandwich. I would, You know what, though? I've been looking for a reason to fire intern Jared for a while, and I think this is it right now. If you're dehydrated... Why would you get ice cream as well? You know, that's a good point. Bad recommendation on from intern Jerry. Especially uh, what, what's can twelve ounce can? Yeah, that is nothing. Like, what do you? You're so. What, what's your? Process? Oh no, it was a little more than twelve ounces. It was probably sixteen. It was a large can. It was like, but still, yeah, like when I like a twenty ounce bottle of water is standard, and sometimes you get the liter of water if you're really thirsty. Sure, because it's like a dollar ten cents. Yeah, but to get ice cream when you're already parched. And then throw down a can of water. Intern Jared's fired. Okay. I think that's a bad recommendation. And he's really pushing it on you, obviously. And now you're trying to push it on the users. And I think it's a bad call. Right. I mean, when you succumb to peer pressure, you sort of get a little brainwashed. Also, just get an algae water bottle and fill it up. Be prepared. Yeah, you could. That's the lesson there, Intern Jared. You need to be more prepared. What's an algae water bottle? Nalgene. Nalgene. It's like a very common brand of outdoor water bottles oh, okay. that have been around for like 25 plus years. Word. Never heard of it. Indestructible. Indestructible. Yeah. You probably own... Actually, no, your water bottle game is pretty weak. Yeah, it is. We'll go to a thrift store, find you like four Nalgene oh, okay. water bottles. Great. Fill them up, have them in your car, you're good to go. Well, with that being indestructible, it's kind of like Charlie Morton's arm. Um, he was announced to be the game one starter against the Brewers. We were officially playing the Brewers. Game time is uh, during happy hour. I believe game one's at like 4.37. Game two is on Friday at 5.07. I'm okay with those game times. Some weird shit. Man. I, I like to watch baseball at night. I don't like this daytime stuff. But the, eight, eight, like the 8.30 is too late. I'm fine with that. I'd rather, I'd rather it be like 7.30. Why can't we do a 7.30? Because there's four other games to play. And we've got we to gotta be nice to the Dodgers. We've got to be nice to the West Coast. Give well, them the, the, the prime slots. Also, everyone wants to watch the Dodgers because they're the best team. Screw them. On paper. They might Hopefully not, they lose to the Cardinals. They might be done tomorrow. Who knows? Hopefully they lose to the Cardinals. I think it's hilarious that they're the, they're the second best record and they're going to play that wild card game. Yeah, that is absolutely brutal. I'm so happy. I feel blessed that we're not in that wild card game, Graham. Like, that's the last thing I need. Oh, yeah. Like, a five-game series is stressful enough for me. Right, yeah. Wild card game. We've been there before. We never want to go back. Zero fun to watch as a fan. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so officially going with Morton. What are your thoughts? We've gone back and forth on this. I still would have preferred Freed just because I think he's been arguably the best starter in baseball since the All-Star break, a 1-7-3 ERA since then. Um, I get why. You know, you can't really make a bad decision here. Um, but you are basically guaranteeing now that Charlie Morton will have, unless we get swept, will have multiple starts in this division series, I would I would say. Um, well, whereas you're not necessarily guaranteeing that for Max Fried. You've got a couple options. So you can either bring Morton back on three days rest to start game four. Right. And then have Freed go on normal rest to start game five. Right. Because but who do you want your closing starter to be? Do you want it to be Morton on short rest or Freed on short rest? I don't know. Well, no, the answer is do you want it to be... So Morton would be on normal rest if you start him game five. And only right. Get, but I, I think it'd be foolish to only give Freed one start. So that's why I hope maybe there's some 
hybrid thing I've been talking about, and Freed has been used in that role in the playoffs before, where he can come in and pitch some relief if necessary. Get him, you know, get him out there as much as you possibly can. I don't want to be screwing around in Game Five. I want to win in four. I don't want to be messing around with it. Well, I'd like to win in three, Graham. But well, I like to win in three. You have to think about these scenarios. But you got to be ahead realistic. of the series. Yeah, because like, what are you going to do in Game Four? Like, are you going to let Wasker throw well, some innings? That's what a lot of people are saying. Is that you know the Braves haven't determined past uh, Morton? I don't think even Freed's been announced for Game Two yet. Even though obviously that's what's going to happen. Um, at least at the time of this recording. So. No, I don't want Wasker starting. I'd rather do. I'd rather do Charlie. <laughs> I love the way you say Wasker as yeah, no, well. It's, uh, it's a little very ridiculous. animated. Yeah, but I don't want Wasker starting. I'd rather have Charlie start on short rest. Wasker on standby in case Charlie blows up. Well, and, and that's a possibility because you got to think of some of the right-handers in the bullpen that we were going to rely on, such as Rodriguez, who's been. He's really slim. He's awful. Like I, I, he might not even make the playoff. Six roster. seven five ERA. Chris, over his last Chris Martin might not make the playoff roster to the point that we called up two young guys for that Mets series that have a absolute chance to make the roster. I think and Spencer Strider is the one that we have not discussed on this podcast yet. Correct? No, he's he's. This is a really an unprecedented journey this kid's gone on, where he's had like starting low A ball, worked his way. You know, work his, worked his way through the system all the way to the big leagues by the end of the season. I mean, I've never, I've rarely heard of anyone doing something like that. He must be one impressive prospect. Yeah, I mean, he's he's an older guy. He's out of Clemson, drafted him just last year. Yeah, he's in the 2020 draft. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty obvious that they want to get him to the major leagues ASAP. So, like, he's an absolute candidate to make this bullpen. Um you know, it's a little scary. I like the aggressiveness, though. I but, mean, this bullpen's kind of, you know, regressing a little bit in terms of who you can rely on. It really is just Luke Jackson. And I guess Will Smith. Matzik has still been And Matzik's good. been good. Those are the only three guys. I mean, even Will Smith I just still don't feel great about. Minter's all right. Yeah. But, but I, you know, the only guy I really trust is Luke Jackson. But, yeah, with, with Chris Martin falling off, like you might – like having a guy like Wasker as a right-hander out of the bullpen – might be a real viable option. Well, the thing I like about Wasker at the bullpen is he can really unleash. He can really, you know, his fastball sits in the upper 90s. He can bust that up to 100. He can just let it out. He can just go nuts because um, he doesn't have to pitch as long. So I like Wasker in the bullpen. And uh, I still think, you know, if we go to game four, Morton should start um, if he is going to be the game one starter. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then you got freed for five. But, yeah, I don't know if you want to risk trying to do – the bullpen games have act, were actually fairly successful down the stretch in, in September with – I don't want to fuck around with bullpen game. And, with, but they were – I mean, that's what the Rays do, you know? Like, I know, but the Rays have been – like, they've perfected that. They've been working on that for the last, like, two or three years. We, we've just really started doing that this year. I don't, I don't want to get into that, honestly, if we don't have to. I mean, I, I don't know. Bringing back a 37-year-old on three days of rest because – He's, he's, you're saying he's your ace. you got to use him like your ace. That's what the Dodgers did with Kershaw back in the day. If we feel like he, he's our ace, then he needs to be prepared to do that. Whatever they do, I'm sure we will second-guess it. Unless it works. No. And then you might still second-guess it. Yeah, if it, I will, I will second-guess it. Unless it is exactly what – so you will only not second-guess it if it's Morton coming back on short rest. Correct. So – Even if he blows up, it was the right decision. Unless it was freed. I'd still think Freed should start at game one, but if you're going to say Morton's your game one starter and then Morton pitches in game four and he just sucks, so be it. It was the right decision on paper. Yeah. 
not everything works out the way. But you it want also to. depends on where you are in the series. Like if we're up, and I know what you're going to say, drop the hammer on him, blah blah blah. Yeah, you don't want to give him a if, chance. If we're up, then you maybe can justify messing around with the bullpen game, knowing that you have a fully rested Morton and Freed for Game Five. Yeah, yeah. But, I but mean, if you're down, you got to go with Morton. Yeah, if you're down, you must go with Morton. It's still like you hate to just give teams momentum. The postseason is such a, a, a finicky thing. I don't think once you get in the playoffs, like we've seen people come out of nowhere offensively and defensively to have amazing playoff series that makes no sense in correlation with the analytics and things like that, or even just normal surface level stats. It's really hard to know what's going to happen. And when a team gets momentum, regardless of who they are, anyone can win in baseball's playoffs, which I think is like NFL and baseball are my two favorite postseasons in terms of professional sports, just because anyone can get hot. Anyone can run the gamut. Um, whereas NBA, normally it's the, it's the top seed. That's why the Hawks were such an anomaly this year, which was so great to see. But anyway, my point being, you don't want to give anybody momentum in the playoffs. And if you, if you, what, you know, it's tough. It's like, if you do that, you know, if you say bullpen game, game four, and then you got fully arrested, Charlie Morton after that, and it doesn't work, then it's like, well, would it have worked in game? Then you, I don't know. It's a whole bunch of second guessing. Who, who the hell knows? But yeah, for sure the playoffs though, like that's where like the clutch factor really does come into play, and like guys that have been there, like a Charlie Morton, and guys that have been clutch, like Adam Duvall, guys like that. You know, like that's a real thing, and you never know when you get to that big stage how people are going to react. No, but you got a good feeling for Morton. Um, you know, this is what he was brought here to do. It's what we're paying him $20 million for. He's also just pitched really well this whole year. Um, this is not like, uh, oh, man, like Dallas Keuchel getting the game one start in 2019 or whatever. I hated that because um, he hadn't pitched well really the whole season. He was just mediocre. Charlie Morton's been great. So I'm, I'm, I am fully support Morton in game one. Do I wish it was free? Yeah, but I, I still can't say, oh, this is ridiculous that yeah, I mean, Charlie li- literally game two one. weeks ago, you were saying Morton. Right, like, yeah. It, it just, it's it's a flip-flop. Yeah, it's just that Freed's been so damn impressive. It's just kind of like, either way, it's not like a bad decision. It's not like Dallas Keuchel versus Mike Soroka in 2019, where it was like, what the hell are you doing, Snicker? Sure, yeah. No, that was brutal. Um, but either way, like you were saying about being hot as well, the Braves are sneakily really hot right now. Yeah. One 12 of 14, mm-hmm. I believe. And the Brewers have not been that good. No, they've they've really kind of dropped the ball a little bit finishing out the season haven't been nearly as hot their pitching which is highly vaunted has still been good but hasn't been as great but i want to talk about a little bit about their offense adam i'm gonna throw some names out at you uh luis urias adonis garcia or excuse me abisail <laughs> adonis garcia used to play for the Braves. abisail garcia colton wong christian yelich these are like their best uh best offensive players some of their best offensive players willie adamas is another one there's no one in here, you know, like Urias has 23 homers, uh, Garcia has 29. You know, Christian Yelich is a far cry from the MVP he once Yeah, was. what's going on with him? Um, had a better year than he had last year, but he's only hitting 248, 362, with only a 373 slugging percentage, which is just pathetic. That's like hitting 200 in terms of power. So I'm not really too concerned. And they got other guys like Lorenzo Cain. And that huge first baseman, what's his name? Uh, Rowdy Telez. Yeah, Rowdy Telez. They don't really have anybody on their offense that scares me. That's not saying they can't beat us. But their offense has not been great. There's one team i got to play in this postseason, 
I'm glad it's the Brewers. I don't want to mess with the Cardinals who've won like 17 games in a row to end the season. Or the Dodgers because of the Dodgers. Or the Giants because they've been the best team all year. Um, I'm happy to be playing the Brewers. If there's anybody in this playoff field I could play, it's them. Like, I'm, I'm not scared of their offense. And I think this kind of gives us a, le- gives us a leg up. Because even though we are a boomer bust offense, I think we had the potential to basically make their pitchers pay if they make a mistake than these guys do. These guys don't have a ton of power. Yeah, if we can get ahead on them, and like we did pretty well against a couple of their aces when we played them a few months ago. I think that was before Solaire and everyone really erupted. It was. It was. It was in May. We Basically, we took two of three at their house. They took two of three from us later in the season. So it's an even series. Home field hasn't mattered, which has been interesting. And honestly, too, I mean, the guy with the highest on base percentage on their team is Willie Adamas at 366. That tells me that they're not drawing a lot of walks. They're not working the count. And uh, I'm not really – I'm not too concerned about this. I don't want to overlook them because clearly they've been good enough to get in the playoffs. But the strength of the Brewers has been that three-headed monster. of uh, Corbin Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. and Peralta. They've, yeah. they've all been really – they've been outstanding the whole year. And if they beat us, it's going to be based on that. But we, we got the biggest break in the world last week, Graham, where – their great setup pitcher, Devin Williams. This is the guy. He's got a sick changeup. I remember him just carving us up the last time we played them. Sets up Josh Hader. Josh Hader, remember, he used to throw a lot of uh, two-inning saves. He would pitch the eighth and ninth. He doesn't. Right. He hasn't done that this year at all. Devin Williams has been the eighth-inning guy. And Devin pulled a Hosker. And I feel really bad for this kid, actually, because you forget how young – these baseball players are and basically what he did was they were celebrating clinching this was uh two Sundays ago and he admitted on camera had too much to drink he was like walking home was angry about something don't know what that something was it's irrelevant he punches a wall breaks his pitching hand the day of clinching after this whole like brutal season like 162 games like you battle with your teammates that whole six months, you know you're a big part of the team, you do something stupid, and it jeopardizes your team. Brass tacks. Like, I think we will see Josh Hader in his 1.23 ERA, you know, having to throw multiple innings or at least get four outs, five outs, which he's fully capable of. But also, you know, he's also fully capable of that. That could wear him down a little bit throughout the series. Who knows? Yeah. Like, that's going to be a factor, and it's just going to be tougher to get to Hader. Yeah. So that's a huge break for the Braves. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That was big news. You don't wish injury on anybody, um, but that is, that is good news for the Braves. I will say this. I think the Brewers have the, the advantage pitching-wise overall, though. Even though I, I say you can throw Freed and Morton up against with Woodruff and Burns, but I would say Freddie Peralta is a lot more consistent than Ian Anderson. Um, Woodruff has a .96 whip. Burns has a .94. Peralta has a .97. They all have, you know... Sub two or sub three ERAs are all in the twos with their ERAs. Uh, they've all been outstanding the entire year. I know, I think Burns and Corbin have fallen off a little bit, or excuse me, I think Burns and Woodruff have fallen off a little bit since the uh, since the All Star break. And a lot of people are taking the Brewers in this series solely based on the strength of their pitching staff. And I can't blame them. And home field advantage. I, and home field advantage. Home field advantage also helps. Um. This is such a weird series to me because I'm so used to, you know, like usually we start off with some, like, okay, let's think about the Cardinals series 2019. 
that was definitely in our favor. We had the better pitching. We had the better offense. We should have won. We screwed that. You know, we just screwed the pooch on that. We know what happened. 2020 was weird because you opened up the Reds. We were clearly favored. We won. Marlins, we won. The Dodgers, we almost pulled off a miracle. Um, usually, you know, you sort of have an idea, at least in my experience with the Braves, it seems like you kind of know who should be favored in the series. And I can't really tell you who is because it's like, I feel like our offense is a lot better than their offense. Whereas I feel like their pitching staff is better than ours. Bullpen and... But not substantially. Not substantially, but I feel like those three guys are really freaking good, and we can't match that third horse. So I give the advantage of the pitching staff, at least to the Brewers. I think they probably have they have a better bullpen, I'd say, and a more shutdown closer for Josh Hader, even though they lost Williams. Um, so it's going to be an interesting series. Usually good pitching beats good offenses in the postseason, which is why I'm kind of unfortunately sort of leaning the Brewers in the series in terms of I think who's going to win. But it's a weird... It is a weird series uh, matchup, and it's in in the sense of like I don't think anyone has like the clear advantage as to who's going to win. Yeah, I mean, I just I just think our offense is so much better than theirs. Like that's not even close. And you know what this feels like to me a little bit, Graham? Hmm. This feels like the Hawks versus the Knicks in the first round. Ooh, that's a hot take. You know, it's like they had the home field advantage. Everyone was picking them, but it's like. With the Brewers, I can understand why some people are picking them, but I think it should be more of a toss-up than it is. I feel like mm-hmm. once again, Atlanta's not getting their respect that they should. That's fine. And th- this is a this is a team that, you know, we were one game away from the World Series last year, and very different team though. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of the same faces. Yeah, like, they're, they're, a lot of the core is still there. Right. Um, but you got new guys, Soler, Rosario. Well, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah, Warren, no, like. Yeah. Pitching, you got to feel a lot better this year going to the playoffs than last year. Minus the bullpen. Minus the bullpen. So it's kind of, we, we've sacrificed there. But, but I'd rather have good starting pitching in the playoffs than a good bullpen. Yeah. Good starting pitching can take if you almost Martin all the way. If can get us seven innings, that's a game changer. You, you feel better. Yeah. And then prepare for the ultimate Will Smith heart attack experience um, in the later innings. But, I, you know, it's 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 an interesting series. I don't think any, any team, in my opinion at least, for what that's worth, which is jack shit, but I don't think either one has a, has a distinct advantage. Whereas I think it's really cool going into this. I, like, I don't know what to expect. I could see us easily. I could see us getting swept, losing like each game one to nothing or two to one. Ugh. I could see us getting to someone early when they don't think that we're going to and winning in four games, like we blow them out or something. Or it could be two, uh, you know, it could be four or five evenly matched games and it might just come down to, you know, who's pitching in the last inning for whatever team. Um, there's a number of ways it could it could uh, it could happen. I've got my prediction of the series, Graham. Adam has a prediction. This is this is big. You know what Brewers player is going to get a huge hit against us at some point in time? Rowdy Tellez. No, he just he just screams postseason hero to me. Jace Peterson. Oh, on base, Jace. Ex, I forgot he's on. He's on the Braves. Bridge. He's thirty-one. I'd assumed he'd been out of Major League Baseball for like three years. No, he's carved himself out a decent little career. He's still hanging around. Uh, I remember they had the because uh, he came over in twenty fifteen. I think. I think he was in the free trade. Yeah, he was from the San Diego. Yeah, yeah, and I remember there was we were still at Turner Field, and there was this uh, billboard right in front of Turner Field, and it was like, on-base Jace. That's what they were advertising. Like, that's why you should come to Turner Field to uh, watch this shitty lame. rebuilding team. They had nothing. He uh, wasn't a bad player. I, no, he, I was, he was fine. But, like, look at the stat line. 247 average, 
six homers, 31 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, 348 on base percentage. That just screams Braves postseason nemesis. X Brave, like, come on. That guy's hitting a three run job. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, a, that's good. That, that, that's a good deep cut right there. Yeah. So that, that's my only prediction for this series, Graham. Okay. I think my prediction as is that we lose in five, and it will be devastating. <laughs> it will be the most devastating possible loss, like walk off Jace Peterson three run homer. Oh I'm no! I'm going to combine my prediction <laughs> with your prediction against Will Smith, who has a one run lead, gives up a lead off walk, a single, strikes out the next two guys, and then Jace Peterson comes up, works a three two count. It's it's a home run to center field to send the Brew Crew onto the NLCS. That's my prediction. Man, I would dread that podcast after that game because it's going to be a whole lot of you saying Snicker needs to be fired or some shit like that. Snicker's on any coaches on notice for me except for uh, Arthur Smith right now just because he's, you know, rebuilding team and everything. Snicker. Lloyd McMillan? Nate McMillan oh. is, uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll be on notice too because there are expectations now. You got expectations. You got to be a little harsher on, on, on coaches. Okay. I'm not saying you fire him just to fire him or if you know, something doesn't work out exactly the right way. But if, if Snicker makes another move like Keiko over Soroka or something like that, I'm going to be pissed off. All right. Well, let's hope that doesn't happen, Graham. I really hope you're way off base on your prediction because that sounds awful. Yeah, it sounds – I think it's going to be a close series. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think it's going to be a very back-and-forth series settling over the next week for some nice baseball. When I say nice, I mean like absolutely – panic-stricken baseball well we got a couple days of enjoying baseball until friday right watching these wild card games that's going to be fun yeah. yankees red Sox, which will be done by the time this comes out and then cardinals dodgers which should be a very entertaining game i will definitely be watching that one yeah you're right though i mean we, we really lucked out with this first round draw like it could have been oh yeah a lot worse yeah and thank god the nle sucks that as well that's another thing to can last thing I'll, I'll talk about uh i guess is is basically is basically is our division with how shitty it was? Does that hurt our chances of advancing deep in this postseason? I, I in terms of the quality of opponent, in terms of like you know the Brewers were playing. No man, I mean St. Louis. We, um, we we played. I mean, we just swept the Padres, who were fighting for their lives. Like yeah. we played well. Like we played pretty well against the Dodgers this year. We played pretty well. Like we hung with all these teams. Yeah. Like these teams are not out of our league. You know. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, of course. We were terrible for a while because we lost three out of the top four hitters in our lineup. We are rounding into form at the right time. Yeah, I want to disagree with you. I think another thing that's in the Braves' favor is this: what you mentioned earlier, which is the Braves are hot going into the playoffs. The Brewers are not. The Brewers have kind of been in cruise control over the last couple of weeks. We've seen historically in the postseason teams that are on cruise control the last couple of weeks get a little lax. This has happened to the Braves multiple times. Yeah, I'm not saying it's going to happen to the Brewers, but I would rather be playing with my pants on fire going to the playoffs than just sort of, you know, sitting there idling and just being like, all right, when are the playoffs going to start? And yeah, don't discount the fact that, like, they essentially experienced a playoff series against the Phillies. Like, that, they were battling for their lives there. It was great, you know, tuning up against Wheeler. Wheeler's one of the best pitchers in the game. Tuning up against him was, I think, it was fantastic to have that opportunity and to win the game goes a long way. And no closer in the league is more experienced in close and tight situations than Will Smith. 
I can guarantee you that much. No one has felt more pressure. No one has allowed more runners on base over the last two months than Will Smith. No one has felt more pressure, Graham. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's all self-inflicted for the most part. getting out of jams than Will Smith, okay? All right. So let's settle it on that. God. It's good. Man, uh, yeah. I'm going to laugh my ass off when he blows, like, multiple playoff saves and be like, why the hell was he even in the game? What if he does what he did in game three? Like, then, he's like, ah, I was just kind of messing with y'all. Oh, then, great. I, I, I was wanting, I was trying to get to that earlier today when I was talking about watching the the post-game interviews on Fox. I was about to say Fox News. Big Fox News fan. It's Bally Sports. Yeah. Bally Sports, not Fox Sports anymore. Um, listening to Will Smith's interview after that game was awesome because, like, I feel like I've never seen his personality. He's not much. really in post game pressers or anything. Like no, that. he ne- he never really is. So like it was, it was cool. He was joking around about how he just knew he had to get make it easy on Snit. He's like, yeah, you know, he's been losing a lot of hair recently. Not that he's had much to lose. So I wanted to make it easy on Skip, which was like that was like, oh, that's kind of funny, Will Smith. But then he also talked about how this year has been like the toughest on him mentally, um, as you can imagine. So like he realizes he's been struggling. Like, it's not, it hasn't been all peaches for him either. Um, so it's just actually, you know, I'm, I'm cheering for Will Smith. And humanized him. I remember you texted me that. It's like, do you see that Will Smith that review? You were so excited. He's a human. That. I know he's a human. All these guys all are humans. humans. Yeah, yeah. Little fucking discovery of the year. Yeah. Thank you, Carmen San Diego. Well, you, you got to remember that when you're just screaming about how someone needs to go to hell. And I never say he needs to go to hell. I just say he shouldn't be the closer. Well, you know, you, you've I know seen, what you mean. Yeah, it's yeah. easy just to get caught up in being a fan and not think about the person. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I understand. All right, Will Smith, guide us home, baby. But the, the last thing I'll say, <laughs> I'll say on Will Smith is that when you see shit like uh, like on the Phillies game on on thir- last Thursday, where it's like he has really good stuff. Yeah, but when he nibbles, you just can't nibble. I feel like you know, like with Harper. Uh, not in that game, but what was it, the Wednesday game or the Tuesday game? Yeah, game one, I believe. Game one, he was nibbling like Did a son attack. of a gun. Yep. I was like, yep. no, just just go just and attack. Him. Especially with the two-run lead. Especially those right-handers when he throws that slider or that hook, whatever that pitch is. I mean, that thing is, when it runs in on them on the inside corner, that thing is absolutely nasty. Yeah. Yeah, so I hope you can't nibble. We believe in you, Will Smith. Always have, always will. Oh, yeah. All right. That wraps up our Braves coverage, and we will now be pivoting to your Atlanta Falcons. Actually, Adam, I forgot. Before we talk about Falcons, we need to hit you guys with a fun ad from our friends at DraftKings who have partnered with uh, our podcast network, the Pigskin Podcast Network, uh, for a really great opportunity for anyone who's looking to get into DraftKings at a very low uh, cost of entry. So we're going to give you this ad from our friends at DraftKings right now. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They have a week five offer every football fan should jump on, Graham. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100. It's a good payout. And uh, free bets if, if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943. So I'd say this is a no-brainer. So, guys, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state, but you still want to do a, get a little action going, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Fantasy Sports Contests. I've been playing DraftKings for like seven or eight years. It's a ton of fun. Uh, it's even I'd say even better than just normal fantasy football. But they have everything you can think of, everything from like League of Legends to baseball to football to soccer, whatever you want. NBA's coming up. That's 
that's one of the most thrilling ones to do as NBA because the points just roll in when you got the right guys going that night. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So here's what you need to do. You need to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NFL game. This actually sounds pretty good. And win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Once again, that's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Question mark? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Adam. On to the Falcons, who had the most Falcon-like loss last Sunday. For the first time all year, the offense looked like an NFL offense, but we still lost 34-30. to Graham, yeah, before we get into the specifics of this game, yeah. I have to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. It appeared as though you were very upset after this game. I was mad. And what happened? How did you let yourself get so invested? You had been very clear all season that you weren't investing in this team and you know you're kind of just not even here for the ride you're you're kind of just a bystander watching this Falcons game that you have zero expectations for how did you get so invested and let me know if I've taken any words out of context and if not what changed grip well I'll say like I'm always invested but I'm not my goal was to not get worked up over the Falcons falconing away and choking away a lead and shit like that because who has any expectations this year? Reality is that I am still a mega huge Falcons fan and I care about every single thing that happens. And this just brought up a lot of old wounds. Even the night before Adam, when I was browsing something to watch on the television, guess what they were showing on NFL Network? The Super Bowl? Yes. Why? Because they're a bunch of sadists. Satanic black magic. You didn't watch it, did you? I watched five seconds of it. I wanted to see where it was in the game. We were up 21 to nothing. And I was like, no, get it away. 21 to nothing we were up in that game? In the third quarter. And I was like, get it away, get it away. We were on defense. And uh, I can't remember what was going on. I saw a bunch of old people that are no longer with the team. And I was just like, I got to change the channel. It wasn't during a play. It was before a play. It was awful. Anyway, I think the memory of that was fresh in my mind just because of that bullshit. Uh, that was on NFL Network the night before. But even still, it was just frustrating because it was like, oh my God, Matt Ryan has time to throw. Oh my God, Matt Ryan's making really good plays out there. Even though we still can't, you know, get a run game going, it was still nice to see Matt carve up, you know, an opposing defense. Four touchdowns. The guy played his ass off. Corderell Patterson is the secret weapon. He's the best skill player we have. There are still things that piss me off throughout the day. But I was so pissed off about just, you know, for the upteenth time in Matt Ryan's career, a brilliant performance was wasted, and we lose the game. Yeah, this was certainly some PTSD to the Dan Quinn era, and what, like, this is what we had done last year. Yeah, this felt a lot like a Dan Quinn loss. Yeah, certainly the positives to take out of it are Arthur Smith, like, calling the game well, offensively. Like, the offense looked the way we expected it to look. Minus the run. The run still wasn't doing much. But, you know, he's taking some deep shots for the first time all year. Like, scheming Patterson open and, like, you know, Patterson making plays. He is the first guy, the first coach that has unleashed Patterson like this. Yeah. Corderell's been awesome, man. So, that is promising. 
the most frustrating thing for me in this game were the missed opportunities due to dropped passes and dropped interceptions. It was infuriating to me. Yeah, like uh, all of me days of chaos had a pass come right at him, perfectly thrown. He decides to just like swat it down almost. I know he's trying to catch, but like he swat it down. Calvin Ridley dropped a couple of passes. Um, yeah, we had multiple chances at picks that we did not convert. Yeah, Calvin Ridley's the one I'm more upset about than Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is supposed to be like our third stringer playing 20 to 30 snaps a game. He's forced into this, you know, he's playing 60 snaps a game because Gage is out still. But Calvin Ridley, we need you to be our number one. Yeah, he, like, he's officially... He has a, some really... Like, he just doesn't look right out No, there. officially, he's afraid, I think. He's afraid to get hit. Like, we saw it last, uh, you know, during the Giants game, where instead of going north-south, he goes east-west to avoid a hit on a critical third down play that could have net us a first down. And then this game, he catches the ball, what would have been a first down. He doesn't look it all the way in. He sees a guy about to hit him, and he drops he drops the ball. You can't... I mean, it's a, it was a these were well-thrown balls. This is like the best... Matt Ryan's thrown the, the the ball in a minute, and it was just really frustrating to have these guys drop these passes that are right at them, where they really don't have to, you know, go out of their way to make some acrobatic catch, or you know, Julio bailed out Matt on a bad throw that was behind him. Like these were good passes. This yeah. was really frustrating. And and I'm not going to let the unicorn off the hook either. He had nine targets and only four receptions, and he didn't necessarily have like drops, but a lot of balls getting knocked like out of his hands. Like, he needs to go up and get these balls. Like, I, I recognize yeah. he's a rookie, but, like, still, like, we take you fourth overall, and now I'm starting to, like, scope the league a little bit to see what these other guys are doing. And, um, you know, he has a leash still, but, like, he should have had his first touchdown on Sunday. Yeah. It's, he, he had poor uh, foot placement that landed him out of bounds that one time. Like, there's no excuse for that. No. It's uh, a number four overall pick. Yeah, it was frustrating. We also had, you know, I will get on Arthur. This is the first time I'm really going to get on Arthur Smith's case this year. Just a terrible play calls. What was it? The second to last drive, I think, when we went three and out. Yeah, the, the four minute drive. Yeah, that was awful. These these runs run hasn't really been working all day. And it's just very conservative. And it was even worse that we were conservative because we didn't have a punter who had to punt because uh Netsliak got hurt. And it's like, you know, you're, and, you're, and the defense has been getting torn up all day. So you're literally putting the, hand, the, the ball back in the hands of Heineke, who's had a good game all day. Your defense sucks, and they're, we're going to give them great field position. It's three things not to mess around with when you're trying to win a football game at, at, in the fourth quarter. It's ridiculous. Piss poor play calling. Yeah. And to his credit, he, he was like, I think he's going to learn from these mistakes. Yeah, it's like he, not the he, end of the he's world. still learning to be a head coach, but at least get the ball to the guy who's been your best playmaker in Patterson in, in those moments. Yeah, don't be handing the ball off and just, I don't know, it was just so dumb. Well, like Matt Ryan's the only thing, Matt Ryan and Patterson were the only things that were like working great all day. So that's what you want to do. And like you said, any Falcons fan out there, I think I texted you either right before or after that happened. I was like, if we don't, if we don't score here or get the first down, this game is over. Like, yeah. we, we, we've seen this script a million you times. You can't expect that defense to stop anybody. Yeah, and one, once it gets that bad. But, yeah, also, like, Koo actually came up pretty clutch with that 45-yard punt. But, like, that was shocking. Like, we knew they were going to drive and get points on the board after that. So Yeah, it was a terrible decision. And they've been pretty aggressive all game with, with the deep shots and all that. So that, 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 was, that was pretty frustrating to see. And, you know, I – 
like Mike Davis, I think he has a lot of potential, but he he didn't have a chance on that first round, that um, first down run. No, they stacked the box. Like, they crushed well, like Hennessy got destroyed, Mayfield got destroyed, three yard loss. Well, they knew it was coming at, at that point. At that point, second and thirteen. I don't know how you don't throw it there. Just do a little dump off pass, get some yards back, and then set up a good play on. And third then down. even on third down, they do a screen to Mike Davis again. Yeah, it was, it was it's like pathetic. where's Patterson? Yeah, where's Patterson? And why are we being so conservative? It's like there were times when we really aired the ball out and it worked. And I'm not saying you really got to be super hardcore. Like I'm going to throw a bomb. You know, in this situation, but throw the ball. That's been working. Matt Ryan has thrown four touchdowns. Like throw the damn ball. Put your put the ball in the hands of your quarterback and let him win you the game. And then if Matt Ryan throws a pick, you know, then everyone gives him hell too. Right, but so to, be it. I'd rather yeah. go down swinging like that than go down and just basically say, okay, we're going to lose because our defense sucks and we're going to trust our defense to win this game, which they they could not do that day. What do you think about going for two so early in the game? After they had failed the two-point conversion. Oh, yeah. oh, no, they had missed the extra point. Right. And then we went for two. I never like going for two. Unless it's at the end of the game and you want to try and win the game. Kind of like how you did in Madden uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Even though you failed, it was still the right decision. <laughs> I I don't like going for two because there's always a chance you're going to leave those points hanging. And um, even if you get it, I don't know. I just don't like it. Just get the get what should be a guaranteed point. I read an article today that was like explaining when it is right to go for two and not. And it sounds like in that situation, that was the correct like statistical call. Yeah. Because it's like, does having two points give you a better chance to win versus failing to get the two? So like, is that one point going to do anything for you? It still gives you a point. And in this case, it would have because then we would have we could have gone for a field goal. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's, it still gives you a point. I'm always a fan of like whatever's the easiest path to points. I'm going to take that path. Like I get it, especially if you like, you know. That's a very old school mentality. It is an old school mentality. It's not based in any math or any science. But I also have seen plenty of teams go for two after a missed extra point, or just go for two arbitrarily. That screws up the rest of the game because then the guy keep chasing those points if they don't get it in that in that yeah, it situation. Seems like you, you save that for later in the game. Yeah, save it. Do it only when you absolutely need to. Is my standpoint on that. I don't like. I'm not a fan of going for two. Yeah, unless uh, especially like if you got a Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson, I'm much more willing to roll the dice there. A dynamic playmaker that's hard to contain with also an explosive offense around him. We we don't we don't have that luxury. It's hard to draw good plays at the two-yard line. It's a lot harder than you think it is. Getting in the red zone is very difficult to score. It's a much shorter field to cover for the defense. And um, it, it's just it's a lot harder to do if you don't have a really dynamic playmaker at quarterback. Here's here's the good news, Graham. We've sneakily been pretty good in the red zone. We have. Uh, 8 of 12 scoring touchdowns, which is like 11th in the league, when we were so terrible at that last year. So that's that's a big positive. That is one of the things that we brought him in for. So don't – let's not – and you're, I know you're not quitting on him. but No, like, not at all. Like I said, he has a very long leash. You know, I'm not going to – Yeah, I, I, I will I will say he made a mistake with the way he called the game at the end of the game. I'm not going to say he's a loser and can never recover from that. It's not, it's not the end of the world. And I don't think any of the rookie head coaches have winning records at all. And he's certainly doing a lot better than your boy Urban Meyer. Yeah, Urban Meyer getting caught uh, – with a little infidelity action at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ur- Urban's going to be gone in a couple weeks, I think. 
Yeah, uh, it's not going so so well for him. Yeah, Arthur Smith, I I think the team's still behind him. It seems like Matt Ryan was – it's like the most he's trusted the offense. I think taking some of those deeper shots. Well, he was just he was getting a lot better pass protection too. It was it was nice. Only one sack. Yeah, only one sack. He really didn't get hurried that often. Um, it was it was nice to see him plant his feet and not have that that happy feet syndrome we've talked about. You know where he's just like looking around, but his feet are still moving everywhere because he's anticipating having to step up in the pocket or roll out to avoid a sack. He's actually able to plant his feet and do his job. Great game with four touchdowns, almost three hundred yards passing, and. That bomb to Patterson was just a thing of beauty. I don't know how their defense broke down. It was a perfect throw. This Honestly, is, it looked like he underthrew it a little bit. Uh, it was still a good throw. <laughs> okay. It wasn't like it wasn't like someone had to like, you know, there's a lot of times I feel like where Matt will underthrow or throw a ball behind a guy or something. But today it's like even if it was a little underthrown, it wasn't bad. It wasn't like a disaster. It wasn't like the guy had to make an out-of-this-world play to bail Matt out. It was like, yeah, you should – you know, it was maybe a little behind Patterson, but it was like right there. It was still like right out of his shoulder. It's not like, oh man, it's like he has to reach out and really go get that ball. You yeah, know, they were all really good throws for the most part on Sunday. So Patterson was, I feel like he was utilized as a wide receiver a lot more in this game than he has been, and we were able to do that because Wayne Gallman was activated, and Gallman only had like three or four carries, but I think he averaged like six yards a rush, yeah, something like that. And you know, without our receiving core is just so weak right now. Really Especially is. if Calvin Ridley's not playing like we expected him or, to. Or Pitts. So I I like getting the – I mean, they're still finding creative ways to get the ball to Patterson out wide. So I, I like to see that a little more. Like get Gallman up to 10 carries. That, that kid can play. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that much. I think, you know, Mike Davis can still be leaned on maybe even a little more than what he's being leaned on now. Um. I mean, we struggled to to really create a lot of holes in the in the running game so far. Um, but I still like using Patterson. You still would want to use him at running back as well, I would assume. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah. Even I know he's primarily done his damage um, through the air, but I you know I still like moving him around. I also like seeing Kyle Pitts lying out wide a little more often. We're starting to see him in motion a little more, not just being on the line. Uh, refreshing. So you know, hopefully, I think the big game will come. When it comes, I don't know. It would be a great time to do it in that Sunday morning game against uh, the Jets uh, Oh, if we, if we lose that one, I'm back in depression mode. Greg. Oh, yeah? Like, Even with one... the Braves being in the playoffs, you'll be in depression mode? Well, you know, that, that's that got potential for double depression. It right really does. It. Yeah, so <laughs> careful there. But, um, yeah, I mean, so we, we can take some positives out of the, the offense, doing what they did. But, God, we're just not good enough to, like, Drop interceptions. Still zero interceptions on the year. Yeah. Like Eric Harris had two dropped. Like that could have changed brutal. the game. Yeah. And yeah. we said that going into the season. He, I don't think he had any interceptions last year either. He's not a ball hawk. No, clearly not. Yeah. Yeah. So, there is, I guess the personnel is just not that great out there. And then Isaiah Oliver got hurt. That's really going to kill this defense. Yep. I think Sheffield might be coming back this year. We need Sheffield. We need Sheffield to come back. I mean, the, the corners were overmatched in this in this game. Yeah. Terry McLaurin ate us up. He had a huge game. Man, that that touchdown he had was so bad like yeah. on the coverage. Oh yeah. To let that happen. Terrible. And then you know the kickoff like that was brutal. Like I oh, felt yeah, pretty good. Oh yeah, the kickoff at the beginning of the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah. And and that was a guy we need to discuss more. It's kind of crazy that our second-round pick this year, Richie Grant, who's a safety, where we have safety issues, he is still not seeing any playing time. 
on defense because uh, Dean Pease is like he just doesn't know the defense yet. But Richie Grant was the one that missed that tackle on the touchdown return, the kickoff return for touchdown. So that that sucks. And then also our, <laughs> our, our fourth-round pick, Darren Hall, cornerback, uh, he can't see the field either. He's dropped behind Avery Williams in the pecking order as cornerback. So, like, that, that's not a good sign week four when those are two weaknesses and two of our higher draft picks can't see the field. Well, you, I mean, I'm not going to be too bent out of shape about that yet because, I don't know, the transition to the NFL is tough. These guys weren't expected to be, you know, immediate day one impact players, even though you could argue with how highly they were picked that maybe they were. But for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out yet either due to inexperience or not understanding the defense or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I guarantee those guys will see the field as the year goes on. They'll have, uh, you know, I don't want to screw the development up. It's way more important to allow them to develop at their own speed than to throw them out there and just have them suck, which Grant already did on that damn kickoff return. So if he's doing that on a special teams play, what's he going to do if he actually plays on the field during a day? But overall, he's apparently played pretty well on special teams, but he just missed a tackle. So. Right, but it stands out more yeah. in, in that scenario. So, but, but if he's clearly not ready for, to, to be on the field during defense, then let him keep developing. I'd rather him develop and take the time he needs to potentially be an impact player than just throw him out there and be like, you're going to be an every-down player if he's not ready. I just don't. Sometimes, sometimes experience is the best teacher. In this case, I don't think so. That's He's not ready for it yet. What a... Reasonable take from you, Graham. It happens sometimes. Every now and then. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know that that was a tough loss, Graham. Yeah, that kickoff return just sucked. I was like, please tackle him, please tackle him, please. Ah, oh, shit. There like, he goes. We had like what a nice like seven point lead at that point. Yeah, you felt good going into halftime, coming out of halftime, and then it's like, oh no, we're battling now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Now we got the uh, the Jets. The Jets. In London. You fired up about this 9.30 game? Nope. Because I'm pretty sure that I imagine we'll be watching the Braves game on Saturday. And we both know during Braves playoffs, as last year can attest, we're going to get pretty rowdy during these uh, during these here games. So yeah, I have to wake up. Probably need to sleep over at someone's house. <laughs> wake up the next day and... Uh, Turn on this game. Yeah, crack open some liquor slash beer and, and watch the uh, the nine thirty game. And then they go straight to the bye week. That's pretty lame. Like it just sucks. We don't need a bye right now. These guys yeah. need to stay on the field so, and learn. The, that's the last thing. Maybe they'll learn something in practice. Maybe they'll tighten things yeah, up. Maybe they need it. But I don't know. I hate early buys. Like I like you know I, you know nice week eight week nine week ten buy. You know where yeah. you've gone through the rigors of of the season, but you feel pretty good. Um, you know, and now it's time to get the guys a break as opposed to, oh, week five, here's, here's your break. Although if you're going to have, if you are going to play in London, it's good to have a buy after that. Cause your, your internal clock's all screwed up. Yeah. So, I think, I think they do that on purpose. Yeah. So I hate these London games. I'm not, I'm not a fan, but yeah, the jets coming off their first win against the Titans. Yes. Arthur Smith's old team. Yeah. I think they got pretty lucky on a missed, it was about to be a tie, but then the Titans kicker missed like a 45-yard field goal, right. I believe, something like that. But the, t- the the Jets also got lucky because in that game, Julio Jones didn't play, A.J. Brown didn't play. So mm. they didn't really have any receivers other than their tight end and some dude they drafted in like the fourth round or something like that. So 
I don't know what to expect from this game. I would be lying if I said I know a lot about the Jets. I know they do have a good receiver in Corey Davis, who certainly has the potential to eat us up if uh, Zach Wilson can get time. Zach Wilson has struggled like crazy. If there's a time for an interception, Adam, it might be during this game with Zach Wilson. I think he's already thrown like nine picks or something this year. Yeah, it looks like he played okay against the Titans. He did. Though. 21 of 34, 297, yeah. two and, touchdowns, and he one has, interception. Yeah, he has the talent to get it together. He just had a rough yeah, so first few weeks. I mean, and, you know, we're the team to be coming to town, well, I guess going to London if a quarterback needs to get it going. Yeah, no, no, for sure. We can definitely be exposed. We've been exposed. We were exposed last week. Yeah. Hell, we've been exposed all year pretty much. Every week. Except, I mean, we kind of contain Daniel Jones, but that's Daniel Jones. I would say that Wilson on paper, you know, is supposed to be a better talent. So he certainly can't be underestimated. They don't really have a strong running game with the Jets. I know our old friend Tevin Coleman's over there, but they haven't really done anything running the football. So they're a one-dimensional offense. They throw the ball a lot. They've been down a lot, so they've, had, they've been forced to throw. But even, you know, even without being down a lot, they just don't really have much going on at, at running back. So... That's good news there. We don't really have to worry as much about the running game, but the passing game with uh, with Davis will certainly be something to watch out for. I'm uh, I'm looking forward, and and their run defense isn't bad. I'm really hoping Calvin really can get right in this game. This is a game Calvin really needs to step up and stop being afraid. He's in his head right now. Something is going on with him, and we know he's a talented guy. We know he can be a number one player, a number one receiver at least for us. Um, and it's just been disappointing his output so far. And uh, just like the the drops, the drops and the fear of being hit. Two times we have seen him being afraid to be hit in consecutive weeks does not bode well so far for him this season. Yeah, that's why it's surprising because you can't even just chalk it up to like, well, Julio's gone. Maybe he was always like getting the team's second best cornerbacks. But like Julio was injured all the time. So we saw him be the number one wide receiver. Well, especially last times. year. Yeah. I mean, Julio was only missing, you know, two, three games a year. Last year he missed like seven, like at least when Ridley came. So last year he missed seven and really stepped up and did a great job. I've never seen Calvin Ridley be like this where he's afraid uh, of of the ball. Or, or maybe he's not happy. Maybe this is a, a thing I'm going to overreact to and be like, does Calvin really just want to get the hell out of here? I don't know. Is he our next wide receiver diva? Maybe. I hope not. Graham. I hope not too. Divas can't can afford that. Divas can strike in uh, mysterious ways. It's not just you know, just do it with – you know, being a rah-rah guy or being about me, not me, Graham, but me, them, if I'm speaking in the first person as as that person. You know, we also saw what Julio did just with his actions, not practicing enough, asking for more money, um, you know, doing it in, a, I guess, a somewhat private way, not going to the press and bitching about it, but, you know, demanding more money when uh, he already was one of the higher-paid receivers in the league and had three years left on his contract. There are a number of ways that someone can, you know, be, you know, not even be a cancer, but be a disruption, be a distraction without, you know, running their mouths. Seems like mass, mass speculation. It is. Okay. There's there's no verity in, in what I just said. I'm just saying, like, what I'm seeing, it just feels like he's not locked in. And then it makes my mind wonder as to why. Maybe he's not comfortable with the offense yet. I don't know, but he still drops like you're in the right spot, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we need him, obviously. No, for sure. To have any sort of success. I'm still surprised we haven't signed like a John Brown or Marvin Hall's out there as well. Like I feel a lot better if we had like a real second receiver on this team right now, but I guess we'll have to wait till Russell Gage comes back. I don't know if he's, I feel like he, I feel a lot more comfortable with him as a number three receiver. Yeah. You're number two. Right. Said that from the beginning of the year. Yeah. 
I still think we can get Hayden Hurst more involved. I know he had a couple of catches in that Washington game, but I think he can certainly be more involved in the in the game plan. Yeah, I think the offense is going to evolve. Like it's like the first year Shanahan. Yeah, there's a lot of things to figure out. Yeah, a lot of different uh, personnel and ways to utilize personnel. And you know, we saw you know the offense actually put up 30 points, which was nice. I mean, they've been struggling all year to get stuff going. It was very positive to see them in pass protection, give Matt some time. That's the biggest takeaway I can I can get from this game. Yep. Which is which is great. Yep. That's a positive. Yep. Uh I think I will say I think we get right against the Jets. And I think we lost to them actually. I think we've done this before in London. We we played once in London. Oh, we definitely lost the last time we played in London. But I think it was against the Jets. Or it was some team like it's the Jets. Them or the Jaguar, Jaguars, yeah, or something some like that. Terrible team. I think we get some London redemption. Is yeah. is my prediction? I think I think we we get it done. That's that's what I'm going to say. Could we lose? Sure, but I, I just have a feeling we can build off this momentum, at least the positive offensive momentum in this game, and take it to London and hopefully get the job done. Yeah, like if we lose to these Jets, then that's it's a sad state of affairs. Yeah, then it's going to be an even longer season than we probably would have anticipated. Although. You know, I guess so far I'm looking pretty good. In my, uh, when I said the, I said the Falcons wouldn't win more than five games. So, so far, so bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, Adam, unless you have anything else, I think this wraps up today's episode. Hawks preseason started last night. Seems a little early to go get into them too much. Trey Young did get hurt, but apparently he's okay. He's fine. Um, but that's that's coming up right around the corner. Yep. After our inevitable Braves playoffs disappointment, we'll get into some Hawks. Something to look forward to. Yeah. And uh, I guess those are the only teams. Oh, Atlanta United, they're, they're still a team. They're still a team. They're still doing things. I think they're in the playoff uh, playoff race. I think they're playing all right. We'll, uh, you know, dial into that at some point, I suppose. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> if you happen to sit down while Alexa's watching a game or something. Yeah. I can uh, give a wildly inaccurate report if that happens again. I would appreciate it. Yeah. You see number 19, the way he kicked that ball. He didn't score. That was a great-looking kick. It was right off the goalpost. Really followed through. Beautiful. Yeah. He bent it like Beckham. Oh, jeez. All right, Greg, let's wrap this thing up. All right. Folks, we want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you again next week. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality. Hospitality.